Top five stories of the day being right here for you to kick off the final hour of the Plank Show, and it's brought to you by Newcastle Casino. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. Newcastle Casino, if you haven't tried it, you need to check it out. NewcastleCasino.com, where real gamers go to play 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Real rewards cards. Just find out online at NewcastleCasino.com or swing by today. they got their $25,000 hot seats that are currently uh, going on. Table games, OTB, find your game at NewcastleCasino.com or at Newcastle Casino. Big story number five. Number five. There's a story about the Big 12, and I, I th- this is one that won't end up affecting, uh, affecting Oklahoma. I think, but definitely would affect our Oklahoma State fans that tune in. And I got to be honest with you, I don't, I don't really know the reasoning behind it. But the Big Twelve is nearing a deal to play football and men's basketball games in Mexico, beginning as soon as 2024. The agreement, which isn't complete, would last for multiple years and is not meant as a one-off experience, the football game would likely take place in Monterey and men's basketball in Mexico City with the potential for more sports in the future. Specific dates and teams involved have not yet been determined. Kansas and Houston are potential teams for a Mexico City basketball game. Um, I, I guess my question would be, why? Why? Um, you know, we got college football games that are played in Dublin, which kind of made sense to me whenever it was the Notre Dame fighting Irish going over there. I thought, oh, that makes sense. But now, I mean, I don't know. It it seems as if those have kind of lost some of their shine. Even though Nebraska treated the thing like a bowl game last year, and it was pretty awesome, only to get beat by Northwestern. And then what, did Northwestern win another game last year after that? I think they... I think they won one more. One more. I don't know. They no, they might not have. It did cost Scott Frost his job, but it would seem as if this is a little bit bigger than just a one-off game. Uh, the Big Twelve has a partnership with Rucker Park for the game in New York City. The Big Twelve only NFL Combine. Um, I, I don't know. Is this part of nationalizing the brand? Because I just, I don't know, Josh. I guess. I don't get this one, to be honest with you. And I don't know, you know, if you're playing a conference game, I don't want to give up a home game to go to Mexico. But that's just me. What do you think? Am I am I missing the boat here? No, I don't think you are. I, I'm racking my brain, and I think everybody's racking their brains to try and figure out, okay, well, how is this an extra revenue stream for uh, every party involved? Because the TV networks, they don't care. They don't care right. about playing in Mexico City or in New York City or you know Los Angeles wherever it's uh it's got to be about nationalizing the brand hmm but i i, I guess okay you tell me if this is a wrong way to look at it to me when i would think about taking games places 
out of the states, I would want to go to an area that would be considered a quote-unquote recruiting hotbed. If I was taking a baseball game, right, I would say, hey, we'll go play a baseball game in the Dominican Republic. I'm just places where you're exposing these athletes to your brand and to your program, and I don't know if there is, I mean, is there an untapped recruiting base of potential, you know, basketball players or football players from Mexico? I don't know. Should I be pulling back and looking at this as a broader view than just, hey, it's got to be more than getting guys to the game? I mean, I I have no idea. I know we play what? Do we even play the games in Mexico anymore in football, in the NFL? We did for a couple of years. Remember the Chiefs had to move their game because the field wasn't ready or it was right. tore up? So, I, again, I always like thinking outside the box, but then there's a point where – and, and, again, I'm on Big 12 today, and this is what I'm going to bring up. I wonder at what point is thinking outside the box just that. You're, hey, you're thinking outside the box. It's a good idea, but, you know, maybe not something we, we should pursue. I, I don't know. This has nothing to do with security. This has nothing to do with safety. This has everything to do with me just not understanding what's the benefit of this. Well, I, I mean, I think the benefit would be that you create new fans, create new viewers. I just don't know how realistic that is. Right. So that's the nuts and bolts of it. We'll see how it pans out. Maybe I'll have more of an answer or an understanding of this tomorrow, or maybe it gets filed under the, ah, cool. All right, what's next? <laughs> Great, cool story. They, they Are they getting Fresno State, San Diego State? Is Arizona, Arizona State coming? I mean, that's, that's I guess, what would be next. I mean, listen, we go down to Mexico, um, Puerto Vallarta, and we play a softball series, right? But it's a non-conference tournament. And I don't understand the financial ramifications of it. I don't know if they pay for us to go there or how that's involved. But it's it's cool. But when you're talking about taking a conference game there, yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone would be down with that. So we'll see. And, and maybe in basketball, it is looking at creating something of a tournament-like feel, right? Hey, it's not going to be Kansas playing a conference game, but we're going to have Kansas and Houston host a tournament. Because what I'm reading, Josh, is it sounds like it's going to be a Big 12 tournament. Or, excuse me, a Big 12 series or a Big 12 game. Right. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it sounds like. I just uh, – we need Brett Yormark to explain to us, okay, what what is the value in this? Or right. what do you see – as the potential long-term value in this. And maybe he's a genius. Maybe he's got this thing figured out beyond attracting fans from Mexico City and Mexico. I just don't see what there is in terms of a value Mm. perspective because, again, the TV networks, they're not going to say, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, one one one-off game that's highly, highly rated in Mexico City I don't think is going to add a bunch to your TV deal. Yeah, no. All right. Uh, all right, let's hit enough on this. I'm sorry. I probably spent too much time on it. Big story number four. Number four. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't watch a single minute of the Lakers win over Golden State last night, but I sure did listen to it. I'll tell you what. I've got a really, really, really sad confession to make, Josh. I'm back in. I'm back in. Let's go, Lakers. 
D'Angelo Russell. Lakers lead by two. I, can we have a conversation with the engineer of the Lakers radio network? Can he not get his audio mix right? I feel like every cut we play, you can't hear the play-by-play guy because of the crowd. Puts up the final shot, and that's it. Game one belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. 117-112. All right, so the big debate in this game, if you missed it, was when Golden State had the basketball in the closing seconds, down by three, the guy who took the shot was Jordan Poole. You have Steph Curry, and the guy that took the game-winning shot was Jordan Poole. Now, in fairness, you heard that D'Angelo Russell call. With a minute 12 left of a tie game, the guy who took the shot for the Lakers was D'Angelo Russell. (laughs) Here's Steve Kerr afterwards. I thought Jordan did a really good job. Um, I had the timeouts left, but I saw them double-teaming Steph at half court. So I knew somebody was going to be wide open if we could just get the ball uh, out. And Steph did a great job. He got the ball out of the trap, and um, Jordan was wide open and pretty good luck. You know, that's that's a shot he can hit. So really, you know, happy with that possession. And, uh, again, this, you know, Jordan had hit six threes already, so it's a great shot for us. Well, the Lakers got to figure out how to make free throws. But I don't, I don't know about you, Josh, I didn't think that was a good look at all. I mean, he was open, but he was also standing right in front of Kerr in the bench. That was deep. Yeah, and he's he's hit six on the night, but it's uh, mm. it's time to go tie the ball game. And and don't you want Steph or Clay taking it? But yeah. hey, yeah. you, you get a look that you know Steve Kerr has been around the the block enough. He's at least understands from the media standpoint. He's going to sell that it was a good look. Sure. Okay, can I add this too? I'm cracking up because if if that would have been just give me a series of guys, right? LeBron um well I guess basically we only complain about LeBron and he's not the guy taking that final shot. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine the tweets from like the Skip Baylesses of the world? Why isn't LeBron demanding the basketball in those closing seconds of the game? What's that about? He's not a leader. Surprised we're not getting that on Steph Curry today. Wasn't the only game last night. Lakers end up getting that win. Final score was, oh, shoot, 117-112. Here was the Knicks' final call. To Robinson turns, fadeaway three, deep one, missed to the left. That's going to do it. Ran with the rebound, and the Knicks with the game to win. His best of seven series is tied 1-1. Final score in game two, the Knicks 111, Miami 105 tonight at Madison Square Garden. So game two between the Sixers and the Celtics is this evening. Game two between the Lakers and the Warriors will be tomorrow night. And and then we'll get game three between the Celtics and the Sixers on Friday. And then finally, the Nuggets and the Suns will play their game three on Friday night. It's like, hey, Denver, Phoenix, you guys take some time. No rush. Big story number three. Number three. Got a lot of football stuff here, but I feel like we're still keeping eyes on Baker Mayfield and kind of how we feel like things are going to play out in Tampa. Jason Light, the GM of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was asked about the Bucs quarterbacking situation. 
right now we like the competition that that's going on with Baker and, and Kyle. Couldn't be happier with the way it's going right now. Just both of them getting ready to go into training camp. No decisions going to be made anytime soon, obviously. But we do have a plan. Uh, we'd probably like to bring in a vet, just somebody that has been there, done that, and can be in that room with them. Not necessarily somebody that we think is going to take over the, the competition, but somebody that can just add to that room. And uh, we've got a few few options that we're keeping in mind. Let's see. Who are currently available free agent quarterbacks? Let's see. Jacoby. Wait, Jacoby Brissett signed with someone. Um, boy, it's funny. You, you, you put in available free agent quarterbacks, and they immediately give you a bunch of guys who are not available. Google never change. Carson Wentz. Ooh, here's some interesting ones. Matt Ryan. Teddy Bridgewater. Are you fired up yet about someone to come in there in Tampa? Any of these names doing it? No? Can, can I can I interest you in a Mason Rudolph possibly, Josh? Or, ooh, look here. Chase Daniel is available out on the free agent circuit. Or Trevor Simeon. And, of course, the man who helped lead the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game won Josh Johnson. Anything? Yeah, there's there's not not a lot there. It's funny. I oh oh there is Carson Wentz. Can you believe Carson Wentz is not going to have a team this year? If you were to if I were to tell you after his season in what was that 2018, if I were to tell you that Carson Wentz wouldn't be able to find a football team in the span of you know six seven years you probably would have told me i'm crazy but here we are here we are all right anything else in the i'm avoiding the jackson mahomes conversation because it's just i i don't i don't really know josh what more we can say this is still from the incident that took place in february but you know to me it's it's kind of a i don't want to say it's a non-story but i go to espn.com and on their top headlines for the nfl it's the number one story right next to the endless conversation about Randall Cobb now joining the Jets. Yeah, well, I mean, the news is he was officially arrested on charges yeah. of aggravated sexual battery, which I don't think, if you saw the video, it's probably not shocking news to anybody. No, not at all. All right, big story number two. Number two. All right, big story number two. Let's relive the Diamond Sports from last night. We'll start with OU Baseball who went on the road and got that win over Dallas Baptist. Afterwards, down on the field, Toby talked with Skip uh, Johnson, among others, after the Sooners exercised the demons at DBU. Coach, congratulations. Great win tonight. Yeah, it was good. I mean, we stepped out and re- played really offense, and Woody was really good. And, so, I mean, you look at Carson Pierce and, and – we, you think those guys are taking a strike, and they wasn't. They ambushed, and all of a sudden they got the momentum back. And that's the thing, crazy thing about this game is it's all played momentum. We had the momentum the first five innings of that game, and we got to keep trying to maintain the momentum. And we get picked off there. It gives the momentum going back into the ninth, and that happens. And, and, and Easton had a great at bat. And yeah. so, I mean, that, that goes to show you momentum's a big key. Boy, first six innings offensively, that might be as good as you've been all year tonight, the way you guys executed. Absolutely. We, I think it was, too. I mean, we're, we're and it's going to help us because they have some good arms and a good place to win, I can tell you that. What does this, men, uh, this win do for you guys going into this massive stretch here? Well, I think it'll do, do wonders for us. It'll help our RPI for sure. Unfortunately, that's what we got to look at and uh, uh, going forward because that was a ranked team, and, uh, uh, and we got to keep this flying away one pitch at a time. There you go. 
one pitch at a time. Do they update the RPI is is regularly for for baseball as they do for for softball? Let's look here. And where's Toby rolling when I need him? The most recent college baseball RPI. Boy, look who's number one. Wake Forest. Is this the right year? Twenty twenty three. So you have to scroll down a little bit. Oklahoma State. Well, let's just look at the Big Twelve in general, right? With it, with as confusing as the Big Twelve has been off the top. Here's what the current RPI looks like. If this has been updated, Oklahoma sits at fifty fifth in the RPI. So uh, I, I remember learning on the net rankings, they don't always update it. I think what Toby was. You know, like, for instance, it shows Oklahoma moving up four spots from 59 to 55. Um, but was that updated from where they were? Yes. Like, literally updated. yesterday? Or Okay, good, good, good. So, 59 to 55, that currently amongst Big 12 teams has them with the fifth best RPI. So, West Virginia is 15th in the RPI, Oklahoma State 21st, Texas 29th, and then TCU 54, Oklahoma 55, Kansas State 58. And then there's Kansas at one. Or I'm sorry, Kansas State, 58, and Texas Tech, 61. Hmm. They don't. RPI doesn't seem to like the Big 12 too terribly much, does it? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, you, you got six within the top 60s, not all bad, and, and basically seven with Texas Tech just outside the top 60. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I would think that you would. Hold on. Now I'm I'm in this. We're in this. I would think your top three teams should all be in the top 20 of the RPI of a power conference. Is that crazy? Because you've got West Virginia's 15, and that's it. Um, where's the Where's the uh, Where's the Big Ten? Oh, the Big Ten's a disaster. Oh, it, it, the Big Ten. Yeah, it, it never never gets any love from the RPI. Okay, um, let's see here. Where's the SEC? Pac-12. Oh, the Pac-12's only got two in the top 20. Yeah, I mean, the SEC's all over the top 10. All right, let's see here. SEC, South Carolina 2, LSU 3, Kentucky 4, Vanderbilt 5, Arkansas 6, Florida 8, Tennessee 16. Yeah, so that's what you're joining. Oh, boy. Which, basically, 500, and you go to the postseason every year. Man, South Carolina's having a season right now. 35-8, and 7-5 and five in SEC play. All right, so that's baseball. Congrats to Skip's boys. Big win on the road. Now, are arguably, Josh, I mean, I'm not trying to be too melodramatic here, but arguably the biggest game, biggest series of the season coming up this weekend with West Virginia knowing where they are, not just RPI-wise, but also in the standings. Oh, no doubt. I mean, okay. you, you go take uh, this series and – I'll be honest, I would have thought they would have had a little bit better than a four-spot jump with the win over Dallas Baptist. But, you know, take this series, and what are we thinking? I mean, that's that's got to get you inside the top 50, I would think. Mm. I would think so. Uh, I would think so. 6.30 on Friday night. Ooh. 6.30 Eastern. I'm sorry. I, I, time. 5.30 on Friday night, 3 o'clock on Saturday then high noon on Sunday for OU Baseball in Morgantown. Which gets us to big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Oklahoma goes on the road and beats Tulsa last night. 
a grand slam home run for Alyssa Brito. Uh, Sooners took a little bit of time for them to get going. They, they struggled a little bit at the plate. But afterwards, Brito caught up with Michelle Montaigne on the ESPN Plus broadcast and talked about the Grand Slam. Uh, really good, yeah. I was just looking for a good pitch and just going up there swinging hard and just trying to do something good for my team. Yep. You guys sell out stadiums everywhere you go. Do that again here tonight. How do you carry the weight of being on a mm-hmm. team with that kind of presence nationally? Um, I think a big thing that we stress in our program, and Coach Gasso talks in this a lot, is just growing the game. Um, as much as we can touch people's lives and bring people to watch the sport of softball and really to see how amazing our sport is, um, we just carry that with so much pride and understanding what our goal is, and that's to grow the game and also glorify God while we do it. So, yeah. Talking about pride, your coach said she takes a lot of pride in the fact that this is the best state for softball, right? Yeah, Tulsa today, Oklahoma State coming up. Does it add any extra emphasis to get the win when you're playing these in-state teams? Yeah, I mean, there's always a race to really prove who's the best in the state. Like you said, we're all such great teams, and it's such great competition all around. Um, So it's always fun to play these guys and those up in Stillwater. But, yeah, it's awesome. Oklahoma State coming up. We know your coach has talked about it at length. This is a special team. What were you trying to take in the most as the last regular season series with this group? Um, Just to bring a lot of energy and momentum into postseason. We're excited because OSU is a great team. They're a great competition, and it's great practice for a postseason. Um, And possibly seeing them in the World Series if it comes to that. So it's going to be a great weekend. There you go. Uh, Did I play Patty Gasso? I played her earlier. Let's just get her... Uh, general thoughts on the performance last night by T. Yeah, we did. Um, we did. We, um, I don't know. I just, I think our pitching staff and our defense saved us. I think offensively, we were halfway, we, we were ha- one foot in, one foot out. To me, the MVP of this game was Sophia because that at bat was just created this momentum and kind of handed the torch to Brito, who just did a phenomenal job. But um, disappointed, actually, with all these fans coming out here and wanting to see the Sooners do their thing. I think we came off a little sluggish and a little sloppy. And I wish we had a better uh, approach, but our pitching staff was outstanding and our defense was as well. There you go. Anything else you wanted to add from last night? Nice to see Oklahoma win its 38th in a row. We're two away from Mr. Sports' prediction. That's right. That would be Saturday in Stillwater. ESPN and ESPN2. All right, I might have them flipped. I think it's ESPN2 on Friday and then ESPN on Saturday for Bedlam, which has become one of the biggest series in all of college softball. All right, uh, when we come back, let's hit the big news in football. The portal talk. Is OU on the cusp and on the brink of adding another wide receiver? We'll dive into it next right here on The Ref. All right, so uh, listen, I want, I want to follow up on a couple of things from the top five stories of the day. First, John... This is John Williams. Jim Williams, I'm sorry, is the VP of Big 12 Men's Hoops. And he went, a, he went on a podcast called the, the Houston Round Ball Review. And I got to say, I dig this dude's background, Josh. He's basically sitting in the corner of a room with a bunch of T-shirts thumbtacked up on his wall. 
His background is better than my Zoom background. <laughs> but the question is, all right, well, you're talking about this basketball series in – you're talking about this basketball series in Mexico City or in Mexico in general. What does it look like? Here's just a little bit more on what that might look like from Jim Williams. Uh, we just reached out to each other and see if there's any interest in doing uh, you know, obviously we were playing with the SEC. Uh, uh, this year was the last year for the SEC Challenge, uh, but we've done that for four or five years as well. And mm-hmm. uh, SEC decided that uh, they wanted to, to try something different, so they're they're playing the Big Ten next year instead of us. So uh, it just it just depends. Uh, we've reached out to some other conferences, and uh, it doesn't seem to to be something they want to do right now. And so, you know. I, for us, you know, like I said, because of our strength of schedule, it, it doesn't hurt us as much by not playing that other other game. Uh, what we're going to do, what we're looking at, is uh, doing a uh, a uh, uh, preseason tip off where uh, we play uh, uh, some of our teams that only play each other once in the the conference uh, uh, will match up and and do something and play four or five games where we kind of tip off the year and show some of our talent early on and give our teams a chance to play against, uh, you know, make up that Big East or that uh, SEC game that would have been a a Tier 1, Tier 2 game and and add this one into it. But it won't count toward uh, their conference standing. So what I might that take? Hold on, hold on, bro. Uh, So what I take from that, Josh, is and and maybe – Maybe those games don't end up in Mexico this season. Maybe it is down the road. But once you get to 12 in the Big 12, won't they still be able to play everybody? I mean, won't you still be able to do round robin or no? Be 22 conference games. Yeah. I'm – because that, to me, sounds like something that would be exclusive for this year and this year only. Because I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Once you get to 12 and OU and Texas are gone, are you still in a position where, you know, it's not going to be able to be everybody playing everyone? And if it is, it's only a handful of teams. And I guess that'd be enough for a preseason classic. Yeah, that's that's interesting to think about. Uh, you could, but, uh, you know, 22 conference games would be more than yeah. anybody in yeah, uh, in the other major conferences. And if we know anything about college sports, it's typically nobody likes to do more than what other conferences are doing. Let me see here. I don't know why I don't know. I don't know why off the top of my head I need to look this up to see the standings. Let's just see here. So this year in the Big 12, what, what would they then play? Uh, littering and – so you have 18 conference games. The Big East plays 20 conference games. The ACC plays 20 conference games. So, yeah, I guess I guess you if you don't want to do more than any other conference, if like you said, you're not going to be extra on that, and they never really have been, then you're right. They might just cap that on 18 or 20. So you would literally have what? one team that's not playing each other or, or or maybe a second there if you just have one go to a place and not and the other not go to their place i don't know i don't know how they're going to work it out but that's the idea at least for what the big 10's looking at to replace the sec and to potentially put 
in Mexico. Meanwhile, breaking news during that, and you guys have takes on the on the text line. We'll get to right after the uh, the, the break. But breaking news: the top ten finalists for USA Softball Collegiate Player of the Year have been named, and there are three Sooners on the list: Jordy Ball, Tiari Jennings, and Jada Coleman. Ball, Coleman, Jennings. Not too shabby, right? Three of the ten were OU players, and then you went back, what was it, five of the 25? Um, I don't know. I, I kind of I kind of think Nicole May might have got shorted there a bit. I didn't know. I, I still am blown away that in a sport where you'll have five-inning run rules as often as softball does, that they still have, and even in a shorter game in seven innings, they still have rules that have a required amount of innings that you need to throw to be eligible for a win. I, I don't know why. That's just the dumbest thing. It's like, hey, you threw three shutout innings. But did you throw a fourth? It was 6 nothing. I think Shorty got hosed out of a win last night. But eh, neither here nor there. I don't make the rules. I just report them. And in this case, Jordy Ball... Might not have got the win last night, but she gets the nod here, Josh. Jada, T.R.A., Jordy, three of the ten finalists for the softball player of the year. Pretty, pretty cool, isn't it? It's great to see. It's well-deserved for each. It's no surprise to see any of those names right there uh, on that list. And up for any sort of national awards wouldn't be a shock either. Sooners have won the award four times the last ten seasons. Jocelyn Allo went back-to-back in 21 and 22. Uh, Kalani Ricketts won it in 12 and 13. They'll announce the top three finalists on Wednesday, May 17th, followed by the announcement of the winner prior to the start of the Women's College World Series slated for June 1st through the 9th. All right, quick break. We're back with your texts next on The Ref. All right, it's Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Any big plans tonight, Josh? Anything exciting in your world? I think I'm just going to be trying to catch up on a little bit of riding, but kicking back, watching hockey and hoops. I think I am, too. Got a little work to do. Got some prep to do on Oklahoma State tonight. So I'm not going to get too too carried away. Every time, every time Randall Cobb makes a move, it doesn't have to be breaking news. It's Randall freaking Cobb. Did he even have 10 receptions last year? Yeah. I, I'm saying this because I'm watching. I got ESPN up, and one of the shows, breaking news, Randall Cobb signs with the Jets. I'm like, that. not that kind of up there with, I don't know, wherever Sammy Watkins ends up? I mean, who, great, congrats. You're going to the Jets. You're Aaron Rodgers' buddy. <laughs> I just, I get it, Josh. You know what it is? It's that dry spell for some people in the sports world. They can't function without having something NFL-wise to talk about. 34 grabs, 417 yards, one touchdown last season. Breaking. Breaking news. All right, now receivers have ended up being a big conversation on this show today because of the report, and I'm sure Parker is going to be all over this coming up in about, what, 20 minutes from now, the Jordan Tyson rumors about uh, him visiting Oklahoma, I guess, just about everyone has kind of confirmed that he's visiting Oklahoma. And then we'll see about the Keenan Cole guy um, and Brennan Thompson. Or Keon Coleman, excuse me. 
<laughs> Breaking news. Keenan Cole the fourth is signed with somebody. It's a Randall Cobb. Anyway, uh, Keon Coleman, maybe more of a lean back to Michigan State, maybe more on his way to uh, LSU. We'll see. OU's already added Brendan Thompson. Now they're talking to Jordan Tyson. So we just kind of started talking about, hey, what 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 does this say? Is this a... Uh, is this an indication that maybe some of the younger guys aren't progressing? Well, it Im- immediately became something about the quarterback, Josh Elmer, and the issue isn't receiver, it's quarterback. Here's some of the responses to that from the 5-8-0. How many drops did receivers have last year? No reason to put it all on DG. He had us in position to win games. Defense not getting off the field on third and long or making stops at the end of games was the real problem. I think that will be much improved this year. Here's one from the 405. DG came from a group of five school to a power five school. The game comes at you a whole lot faster in power five. There was a learning curve for him. I think he is going to be have a big year, so people need to stop acting like DG is the problem all by himself. There were a whole lot more problems than just Dylan Gabriel. A couple of other quick uh, quick texts on this. QB issues at OU, writes 5 at 08. Sounds more like a headline for the Fine Bomb show. Uh, and then from the 918, I couldn't agree with the assessment that DG is the problem more. Watch the fourth down at the beginning of the spring game. Brutal throw. He consistently does that at the worst times possible. Bro, the, you, you're really going to use a fourth down throw in the first series of the spring game? I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Let's... I know that was what made so many people trigger. It's like, he's still making the same mistakes. I'm like, oh, thankfully it's a spring game. He's got time to clean it up. You know, I watched a spring game where Kyler Murray couldn't throw the damn ball because of the wind and because of how cold it was. Things seem to work out well for him. Let's see how it pans out. Oh, and then the 806. This is the same fan base that complained about Jalen Hurts not being any good. Tough to adjust to life after having the best two to ever do it back-to-back. And then from the 405, I played receiver in college, didn't need a perfect pass, always thought if I could touch it, I should catch it. Well, you got to be able to touch first. All right, Josh, did we come to a conclusion on the text line, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet, as it pertains to uh, the the receiving depth? Yeah, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line seems to be of the consensus. Maybe it's some of both. Softball. We were talking about the uh, Sydney Coyasos. Listen, I know that portions of our fan base as general, I know that some of us are a-holes, and that's fine. Every fan base has it. I like the D1 softball story. I just think it really paints the Sooner fan base in a terrible light, and we're not the only ones that have pointed this out. And part of the problem is Coyasos has the yips. She can't throw it back to the pitcher. It happens. There doesn't have to be some deeper-rooted issue there, and there's not. You have the yips. It happens in sports. And you're going to get clowned for it. I'm sorry. That's what this sport is. I keep The people that are writing, oh, you need to read this story. What am I missing outside of paint no you fans as a-holes? That's all I'm seeing in this is that basically we're the only people that pointed this out as Sooner softball fans. Um. Mike from Ardmore brings up a good point here. Plank, OU softball is on TV more than others, so other teams get seen more than usual, possibly why the Baylor catcher was seen. 
Uh, Mike, I, I'll push back on that a bit. They put all their games on ESPN Plus, too. I mean, they had infinitely more viewers, I'm sure, for that Baylor OU series than they did any other series. But when Oklahoma State goes to Waco, they're on ESPN Plus. When Texas plays them, they'll be on ESPN Plus. I mean, it's it happens. And then Gunny writes, OU softball is Vicky Valancourt. <laughs> right. Uh, a couple of other issues. We um, which of course is the devil. Yeah, the devil. Vicky Valancourt is the devil. Uh, here's a couple of others. Uh, we we got into the Big Twelve and the Mexico City conversation. Three really good ones on this. Camo Sooner writes: One planet conference game in Mexico hurt whoever the home team is when it comes to fans and revenue. Seems like the team would want to get as many home games as possible. Agreed. Uh, from the four hundred five. Guys, there's like 35 million people living in Mexico City. It's a lot more folks than Manhattan, Kansas. True. If you can get them engaged. I I understand the idea. I just don't know if it's going to work. And then one more here real quick. I'm with you, Plankster. Don't take my home games, especially to a place that I'll never visit whatsoever. It's Robert and Hera. All right. uh, Good stuff, guys. Great. Great text today. Good back and forths. I felt like we had a topic that kind of done blowed up. And when we come back, we'll put a wrap on this edition of the Plank Show right here on the Home of Sooner Fan. All right, I got a quick, I got a quick plank issue I need to address with you real quick, Josh, to help right. me sleep better. Right, Steel Man's coming up next here at Cavens, CavensGroup.com. Appreciate Gary having us out. As he said, he's going down to Texas for more training on uh, fire cleanup, things of that nature. If you have a disaster, Gary's here for you. Weather issues, uh, roof issues, cavensgroup.com. So this morning, we've got a, and this isn't like, hey, look at what I got. I've got a screened in porch. Now, before you're like, ooh, it's a piece of, you know what, it's it's dirty, it's dusty, it's terrible. We've got a screened in porch. In that screened in porch, we have one of those tables that everyone has it's outside, right? It's not like a glass table, but it kind of is, where you know, you see them at Sam's and Walmart all the time when you walk in, and there's that kind of glass, but it's really not, and it's surrounded by aluminum. You know, everyone had one as a kid. So I go out this morning, the table shattered, just shattered. Little shards, and I guess it's glass everywhere. And so before you're like, oh, someone's, someone's, there's, it's so dirty out there, Josh, you would see footprints. <laughs> Or at least something sliding if there was a stalker, McStalkerson. The door to the screen and patio was shut. And now I have no idea how this thing broke or exploded. Because there's no dead animals or frogs or turtles or anything out there. And I don't know how a turtle would be able to get up there. Could this thing have just gone Kenny from South Park on us and spontaneously combusted? It is, I think, a possibility. But Really? What... What I would consider to be more likely is your house is haunted. You think that's it? Oh, absolutely. You know, there was reportedly a guy that lived there passed away in my office. That's what I'm saying. I I think it's that dude. Can't think of his name now for the life of me. And he hates that table. He hates that table. He hates that I'm not feeding the turkeys, that I'm inviting my friends over to hunt them. That's a joke. So... I just didn't know if these tables have a, if they have a, 
an amount of time where at some point it's like, yeah, that thing's just going to explode on you. I, <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't see that on the warning label where it was, hey, if you have this thing outside for three years or more, eventually it's just going to explode on you. But yeah, That's fun times. Spooky. It was very scary. I'm not going to lie. I think I heard it in the middle of the night, too. Because I think I was doing the fight or flight, walking around the house with a flashlight, seeing what was going on at 3 in the morning. All right, Steel Man is here. He'll do more than than figure out exploding table controversies. They'll have the latest on the transfer portal, plus a complete recap of Sooner Softball last night. Eric Bailey joins us on tomorrow's show. We're going to see if we can't get big brother Joey back in the mix as well, too. Thanks to Gary Cavins, CavinsGroup.com. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Steel Man and Thune at Nooner next.